Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Nashville-based veteran jazz saxophonist Don Alico. Originally from Pittsburgh, Don opened up about his new 2023 CD called Growth. These days, he remains an active performing and recording artist that has played or recorded with many notable artists over the years, like Rufus Reed, Gary Burton, Greg Osby, Roger Humphreys, Jim McNeely, and so many others. He's got a great trove of experiences and stories, and we get into it. Enjoy this interview. Thanks for taking a minute out. Sure. Before we get into your latest CD growth, I want to kind of talk a little bit about COVID. And, and, and you know, now that things are opening up, you got a new album out. I'm curious how you survived as an artist through the last two years plus going through COVID and how it changed the way that you approach things now. Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> well, I mean, in my particular case, uh, you know, I, I uh, teach at a university. So to be honest with you, uh, basically what I did in my position was, uh, well, the way my, my job is, is is uh, uh, the way my workload is, is is that I had an adjunct professor, and, and I only teach some of the saxophone students that are at the university I teach at. So, but during COVID, I lost the adjunct, so I I, I had more. I had a lot of students, so primarily what I did is I just sort of absorbed myself in my teaching because there, as you know, there was absolutely no work. So. It kind of kept me sane, to be quite honest with you. It does. It certainly does. So I'm curious now that we're kind of emerging out of it and you have a new album. How does it feel now to have this new CD out with the prospects of playing live and just just things opening up a little bit more? Very exciting. And, and you know, it was pretty demoralizing for, for, for all of us, you know, who were trying to play music to not be able to play. So, uh, of course, you know, there were always all, all sorts of creative, uh, you know, outlets like playing outside, et cetera, you know. And, and I, like most people, I took advantage of as much of it as I felt was safe to, to, safe to do. But it was still pretty demoralizing. So, so to have the, the record out and to be able to work again is like, you know, it's just like being a kid in a candy store or something. <laughs> you know, it's exciting. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's kind of go back in your life here. You're based in Nashville. Where are you originally from? Uh, Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah. So talk to me about growing up. How did jazz become the way for you? Music, you know, playing an instrument. How did all that start for you? Well, I mean, I, you know, my father's 93 years old, and he's still playing. Yeah, he's playing gigs and everything, man. I mean, he's... He's, a, he's hilarious, but, uh, you know, he just loves playing. So, I mean, I grew up listening to him play through my whole life, obviously, and uh, he was, uh, I would say, you know, my main and first influence. So, and, and like Pittsburgh, when I was there, it was pretty vibrant. I suppose it still is in some ways. I mean, I still go back and play a fair amount. Um, but, but, you know, it, it was, I would say it was pretty vibrant. And uh, there were a lot of people who were my age who were there uh, who were really playing good. Uh, people like, you know, David Budway is in New York and pianist and uh, Ned Gould, the tenor player, and Jeff Tane Watts and Andy Fight. I'm trying to think of some other guys. There were a handful of guys who were really great and were really serious. So, like, I sort of, you know, tried to 
fall in with them as much as I could, you know. So that was a great thing. And then just all the clubs and stuff and all the jam sessions that were going on there uh, at the time, man, it was quite exciting. And then I went on and played with Roger Humphreys' group probably for five or six years in my late 20s, early 30s. That was great, you know, just to be mentored by him, you know, so... Uh, Pittsburgh still has a lot to do with who I am as a musician, I think. And that's the land of Richie Cole. Absolutely. Yeah, and my dad and I both knew him. My dad played with him quite a bit. Now, I was, uh, I was down here most of that time. He, he moved back, but I did hang with him for a bit, you know. Uh, <laughs> he was a funny cat, man. I, did you know him? Oh, man, I interviewed him a couple times. I remember when I heard that he passed, it really it, it hit me in the gut in a way that I didn't expect. He was so just, there was a genuine nuts about him. There was a natural, funny flair that he had. He was just an all-around cool cat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was he was a trip, man. I, I wish I, I would have hung with him, you know, a little more, but uh, I didn't have that opportunity, you know. Like I said, I had already moved down here by the time he moved there. So when I'd come back, I would run into him, you know, either I'd go hear him or he'd come to hear me or whatever, and, and uh, or my dad, you know. So he was, he wrote a tune for my dad called Everybody Loves Don Elico, which was really funny. And he, he gave me the chart, so I have it. You know, it's like a four-horn chart or something. He was a funny guy, man. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he was a phenomenal guy. Who are some other, like, when you were really getting into it, other than your father, who actually has to be a seminal influence, who were, who were some other influences from the world of jazz on you? And, and maybe what was one of the first shows, other than your dad, that you saw live that really influenced you? Oh, yeah, there's a couple really good ones. Like, when I was, a, I was probably, like, 13 or 14, he took me to hear uh, the saxophone player Arnie Lawrence. I don't know if you know who that is. Um He's passed, but he it, he was in New York for a long time, and then he he uh, he moved to Europe and started a school, if I'm not mistaken. But he was kind of a free player, and it, it struck me as just really interesting music to listen to. And, and then the second one that he took me to a little after that was uh, I heard Arthur Blythe with Chico Hamilton's group. Now that was a that was just like because that was in a club. The first one was like kind of. He was passing through. The, the Arnie Lawrence show was like in a hotel, and it wasn't really like a club environment. But, man, the, I went to the Encore in downtown Pittsburgh. That's a long, defunct club. But, uh, man, it was like, you know, being a teenager in there, I mean, I had never seen anything like it, you know. The whole scene, like, you know, the, all the people who were in there and, like, the way the music wasn't. Uh, of course, Arthur Blythe, like, the sound he got was just like... <laughs> I had never heard anything like that in my life on an alto, man. You know, he had a huge sound. But I also heard, you know, as a young man, I, I heard Tur Stanley Turrentine quite a bit. And that was, you know, that was a real eye-opener, too. And I had some really kind of nice experiences with him uh, through the years, you know. Uh, and some some lessons that were not like lessons, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like yeah. bandstand lessons, you know. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll well, just tell you the one. I, I, so I was playing with Roger, and uh, I was playing. We were playing in a club, and and I thought I was playing pretty good, you know. And, and 
you know, I played like a long solo or whatever, and like the audience response was sort of tepid, you know, and then. Now, granted, he was a star and stuff, but he came up and, like, he he played, like, the first four notes to, uh, they can't take that away from me, you know, ba-da, 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 and, like, the whole place just fell out immediately, you know, and I think he was, like, telling me, you know, you can play some melody and be okay, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was a real lesson, you know, I just had to sit back and think, oh, man, I think I just got schooled here, <laughs> you know. Uh, but he was a lovely guy. Ah, oh, what a great guy. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I'm curious from, you know, cats like that and other people that are legends and luminaries, what did you learn from the older cats that you in turn have held on to and you teach the younger ones that you get around? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question, too. I mean, well, I mean, I, I as much as I love a lot of, of the modern players that are playing today, um, I still feel like the tradition of the music, the blues and knowing tunes and being able to swing, like those things are still at the essence of the music to me and uh, at the heart of it and the root of it. So I'm trying to convey those things as much as possible. And not from a musical standpoint, of course, you know, from a professional standpoint, I, I think it's like, uh, how can I put it? Like, they were they were the 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 ones I admire were just really salt of the earth kind of people. They just were um, took care of business, but were also very polite to people. You could look up to them in every way. You know, so in this pursuit of being a professional musician, you know, you have all of these different facets. I mean, you record, you play, and you got the teaching. There's all these aspects. What do you look forward to the most? What is it that you love the most about this? Hmm. Wow. That makes me think. Well, I mean, at the heart of it, I consider myself a player. So probably playing is tops, you know, for me. Uh, but I do get satisfaction, a great deal of satisfaction from teaching as well, especially when I hear my students playing their asses off. And, you know, that's a good thing. That makes me happy. And, and to see them happy doing it, it makes me happy. So, but, you know, man, playing with a great rhythm section, you know, it's almost transcendent when it, when, when it, it's out of your hands and the music kind of takes over. There's no feeling greater than that, you know, quite honestly. You know, you've seen some great shows in your life. What would be a dream show for you? If you can get into a time machine and go back, who would you love to see live? Oh, wow. Well, Coltrane would be probably at the top of my list since I didn't I didn't have the opportunity to hear him. Um, and he was one of my earliest, uh, you know, influences beyond people who were I could see and hear in the Pittsburgh area, obviously. Um, I did have the opportunity to hear Stan Getz, so I, I can't, even though, like, I would have loved to hear him more, I did hear him. And same with Joe Henderson, though. I would say Joe Henderson has been a big sort of influence on the way I hear the, the sounds, perhaps, and the phrasing of the, of the music. But I heard him when I was at Berkeley College of Music, and he was playing with Chick and Miroslav and Roy Hayes. And to be quite honestly, 
honestly, the music was so far over my head that I, 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 I left, you know, not quite uh, appreciating it, but I would have loved to hear it again, you know what I mean? <laughs> and of course, Bird, yeah. Bird would be another one. Bird would have been another one. I, You know, and even Lester Young would have been amazing to hear. I, I did hear Stitt a couple of times, so that was closest I got, you know, in a way to Bird. But, yeah, I would say those cats kind of come to the forefront in my my thinking right away. Everyone out there has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you're the one that's living your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Man, you're asking the hard questions, man. <laughs> I have to. I was thinking about a smart Alec answer. That wasn't uh, like given our poli- current political climate, the way people answer questions, they would just say, "Next question." Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Go to that. my website. You can read all about it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, that's a really good question. You know, and and to be honest with you, I've been thinking a lot about. Uh, what, what the future is going to look like for me? Because I don't, I don't know how many more years I want to teach. So, so the the question is, who do I think I? <laughs> the only thing I can think of is silly stuff, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a lover, I'm a smoker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I'm just a, a kind of a laid back tenor player who wants to play good tunes with a good rhythm section and um, uh, ha- have fun doing it, you know? Yeah, I, I dig it. That's, the thing about this question is sometimes it can seem daunting, but it's a simple. It, it can come down to a very simple answer, and, and, I, and I dig that. Thank you very much, John, for opening up about the new album. Where can everybody get it, the best place to get it, stream it, find anything out about you and live shows? Where can they go to do that? Uh, I appreciate you asking that. Um, well, of course, it's on the Ear Up record label, which is uh, run by my friend Jeff Coffin, uh, saxophonist. But it's a good label, so certainly they can they can find uh, copies of it there. And it's going to be distributed through A Train Entertainment, I think it's called. So, as far as distribution, uh, of course, you know I don't know that people even buy CDs, but you know that's that if you were going to get a hard copy that would be where and then as far as like uh, streaming it'll be on all the platforms through the label uh, they'll make sure it gets on Spotify and all that so. and then live shows uh, you know people can go to my website I'll, I'll post live shows or even the Facebook page and so forth I, I always put stuff up there so Right on, Don. This has been great. Thank you for opening up. Thanks for taking time out. Good luck with the album, and have a great 2023. Yeah, I appreciate your time and uh, getting a hold of me. So go Chiefs, I guess, right? Yeah, that's right. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Pittsburgh, Nashville, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Don for his time, energy, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, visit Neon Jazz Interviews at Apple Podcast or Spotify. And you can also find us on YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.